wonderful blessing to my heart. Um, I've been really nervous about to preach in this. I'm just going to be real honest about it. But the fact that Jesus Christ took everything for us, that should be something that should always give us that strength. It should always give us that confidence to make sure that everything is okay. Turn to me, if you will, to Psalm 43, please. Psalm 43. Psalm 43, it's a very short psalm, about five verses. We'll be going through all five verses tonight, and we'll be reading verses 1 all the way to verse 5. Psalm 43. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjustful man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I a mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go to the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yes, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for you. We praise and thank you for the blessings that you continue to give us on a day-to-day basis. Lord, There is turmoil in our country, and there's turmoil, I'm sure, in our hearts. There is fear, but you have given us not the spirit of fear. Help us to cling to these truths today as our country goes through change. Please be with us tonight as we go into your word. We love you, Lord, and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Our country is at a crossroad. It is at a watershed mark of history, and history is a time of which both valleys and mountains have existed. But I take solace, and we should take solace in the fact that he is God of the mountain and God of the valley. Praise the Lord that God has given us many blessings. Praise the Lord that God has given us freedom. Praise the Lord that God has given us so much abundance in our lives and in our country. But despite all of these blessings, one question needs to be asked in our hearts. Have we declared God as our God? David in Psalm 43 takes such a journey. This psalm, many historians have been taking a look at it. Because it was happening during a time of exile. It's either when he was pursued by Saul or by the servants of Absalom. So it is a time in which David feels a lot of stress, a lot of hurt, a lot of despair. But what this whole psalm is, is not just a psalm, it is a prayer. And as we've seen at the end of this prayer David declares God as his own. Now, this same possessiveness of God is what we need today. 
And the same journey that David took is something that we also need to take ourselves. And the truths that we learn in that journey are the things that we will need to the upcoming challenges that will come to our nation. First, take a look at the prayer. Yes, it is a fervent prayer to God amidst a time of oppression because it is a time that is full of deceit, both by nations and by individuals. But that problem, however, causes David to seek God. See, the problems that happen in our life, God will often use those things to help reveal himself to us. There's a time in which not only will he reveal himself to us, but what he can do. And sometimes there are lessons that only we can learn when we are put through an interesting trial. I didn't ask for it, but during choir practice today, we got a little bit of an experience of that. Um, Two of our tenors, I'm not going to mention who they are, but they got put through stress. They got put in a position where they did not know what to do, but they blossomed. And they did well. Sometimes when we are put to the test, that's when the best comes out of us. And that's why God puts us through those things. The Bible says he loveth whom he chasteneth. So whenever we have this chastening, whenever there is problems that arise, we ought to thank God for it. Amen. See, David's cry to God has, in the first two verses, there's two basic characteristics about it. First, That it's humble. First, it's humble. Verse 1 says, Judge me, O God, shows the submission that David has for God. And it's the reverence that he has for God. And just as we've been challenged to do this week, it also shows that he is willing to accept whatever judgment God has for him. Are we willing to accept whatever judgment that God has for us? Are we willing to say, you know what, Lord? I don't want to do this, but I'm trusting in you anyway, no matter what happens. Because trusting in God, no matter what happens, not knowing what is going to happen, the unseen things, that is faith. Second thing, he also declares, for thou art the God of my strength. It also shows that David's declaration that God is where he draws his strength from. And these two things, again, show that reverence that David has for God. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he didn't start with, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. No, he starts with our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where is the reverence of our God in our prayers today? We are so quick to ask God for what we need, but we have forgotten to who we are praying to. That humility is what lacks in our prayer today. That uh, the fact that it says, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We want that he will lift you up part, but we won't want to humble ourselves. And it's so, so sad that we don't do that. We don't take the moment to just 
remember who we are speaking to. The second thing about David's, uh, the, David's, also, David's prayer is also talking about is that it is human. See, there's a desperation in verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, David gives a fervent plea for help and deliverance. And in verse 2, there's not only fear, there's questions. He's, he's asking God, God, why, why dost thou cast me off? Why, why go a mourning because of the, the oppression of the enemy? There's these questions that, he, that erupt in his heart. But those are common responses that we have to situations. We do like to question God. And if you look through the Bible, many of God's servants will question God. Moses questioned God five times. Mary, when she was given the, uh, the honor of giving birth to the Savior, she said, how can this be? Uh, Rachel was saying, if it be so, why am I thus? There's a questioning that happens, and that's a definitely normal thing for us to do. But there's two major responses that we can have to whenever God gives us these situations. There's a carnal response and a spiritual response. The carnal response is the response that the world will always use to give. They'll take a look at a tragedy. They'll take a look at some really bad situation. And they'll look at, God, this is your fault. But they have no idea who he is. But then there's the bitterness that swells in. There's anger. There's fear. There's animosity that comes up. But there's also a spiritual response, which is what David does here, where it relies on faith and leads to a better understanding of who God is. From these verses, it's safe to conclude that problems lead to possession. Hear me now. Problems lead to possession. A carnal person, when they are faced with problems, will get overcome by the devils that oppress them. And they are possessed by the the things that are gripping them. Whereas a spiritual man, once they trust in God, once they learn who he is and learn about him, claims him, possesses him as his own. And in further discovery of this, uh, ver- these verses that we're going to go through tonight, that's the aim that we can hopefully remember again that God is our God. Next, we take a look at a, a pilgrimage that David's kind of taken. It's not an actual trip, but an actual, but a trip, but basically in his mind. Because David makes a request first for two things. He says he requests for God's light and for God's truth. God's light undoubtedly is Jesus Christ. As stated in John 1.4, Jesus is the light of men. In John 8.12, Jesus tells the Pharisees that he's the light of the world. Because before we got saved, we were just a blanket of shadow. Like the world was before God said, let there be light. Just this ball of dark mud. But then, once we get saved, light got turned on. And that's the same thing that salvation does to us. Christ dispels the darkness that is in us. And it's important for us in the times of struggles and the times where we're faced with challenges to be reminded of the time of salvation. I have to remind myself that in April 13th, 1993, in Hamilton, Ontario, 
Canada that I got saved. And there was a time in your life where you also got saved. There was a time in your life where God switched the light on. And in the times of our darkness now is where you need to remember when that light got switched on. And if persecutions, and the other thing here is that the destination that you have is heaven. The destination that you have is not burning forever in hell because you are saved, sir. You are saved, ma'am. You are saved, brother. You are saved, sister. So if persecution comes, you are saved. If oppression comes, you are saved. If the times when people start knocking on our doors and telling you to close down and then or else we're going to march you to jail, you are saved. And dare if I even say it, if martyrdom comes... You are saved. You are saved. I'm, whenever I hear of, think of martyrdom, I think of Stephen. See, we, when, uh, when stoning in biblical times happened, we always think that stoning is they line somebody up against the wall, and then they take baseball-sized stones, and everybody just heaves it at those people. No. Let me let you know what stoning was. In biblical times. First, they dug a pit. Basically, that's very, very deep. And then the person was thrown in there. And then men would take... The reason... You want to know the reason why Saul had to hold their garments? Because they had to pick up these big, heavy stones and throw it down at the person who was getting stoned. So there you are. You're Stephen. There's Pharisees all around you. You've just preached the word of God. You made a stand for God, and then boom, rocks just keep hitting you. Boom, boom, boom. You feel the pain on your back, but then you look up. You look up, and you see the Son of God seated at the right hand of the Father. There's that hope. There's that hope. In Titus 2, 11 to 13, it says that we're looking for that blessed hope That's what salvation gives us. It always gives us that hope that no matter what happens here, there is a life afterwards. See, did anybody, do we we even think about what Jesus' names mean? Jesus in Greek is Jesus. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. And both translate to God is salvation. I love that song we sing in choir where it's, God is my salvation. I will walk and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength forever. Hallelujah. He is my song. Is he your song tonight? Is that a song that you sing no matter what you see is going on? When the, when the, the times are getting tough, is he still your song? Is, he, is heaven your home? Is something that you remind yourself that you are saved? Do you remind yourself of these things? Do you bring to remembrance the great salvation that you are given, the life that you are given? See, I know we have to vote on Tuesday, but I'm glad I already cast my vote back on April 13th. 1993, I cast my vote for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because no candidate died for me. <laughs> no, 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 no politician spoke the world into existence. No, no politician 
parted the Red Sea. No politician turned water to wine, fed 5,000, and saved my soul from hell. And I'm glad that I already put my vote for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just remember, what Jesus' name means is God is salvation. He asks for God's truth. God's truth. God's truth is the Bible. Picture, if, picture this if you can. Picture this if you can. Let's say you go to a church, and all they teach every single second is this one premise, that the Bible is important. So let's say that that church is this church. So let's say that you go to Sunday school. Go to Sunday school. Let's say that uh, you go to pastor's class, and he goes, the Bible is important. And then you go to, uh, you go to the, ser- the Sunday morning service, and then we have a guest speaker. Let's say it's Brother Tom Williams. He goes, the Bible is important. In junior church, Brother Zach says, hey, the Bible is important. <laughs> and then also, in, on Friday nights, when guys with addictions come and meet up with uh, Brother Mark, he says that the Bible is important. And then the Sunday school teacher says the Bible is important. So for 52 weeks, the only lesson that they are teaching is the Bible is important. Well, guess what you are in that church? Because every single time that someone comes up here and preaches a sermon that's from the Bible, that's to indicate to you that the Bible is important. And all of the songs we sing in that hymnal are based on biblical principles, so that ought to tell us that the Bible is important. Let's review, if we can, Joshua 1.8 says that the book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For that thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt, make that, and thou shalt have good success. Our country is in the bind that we are in right now because... We don't meditate on it. We don't observe what is written therein. And that's why we're not prosperous or have good success. It grieves, it grieves me. I'm reading a book right now by Harry S. Stout. He's, a, he's one of the doctors of divinity in, in Yale who did a study about how important the Bible was in establishing New England. You couldn't start a town without a pastor, without a pastor. In fact, in fact, church attendance was mandatory, enforced. So that's why, like, even the commoner back then knew more about the Bible than the most devout Christian today. But we've, dri- we've gone away from that. We've gone away from it. And it grieves me that the, the founders of this nation that built it on biblical principles and desired to make this nation a godly nation, it's just departed now from our hearts and our minds. That's why we are in the predicament that we were in. Back then, I'm sure, when you took a look at a candidate, it's like you could, you, you could easily... It could go either way. But nowadays, we're like, who do we choose? Who do we choose? 
So again, the Bible is important. Now some people say, now the Bible ought to be about, the church ought to be about Jesus. Well, it is. And if you look in your Bible, look at John 1.1, sir. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and Word was made flesh. Those things are the things that we have to remember, the importance of the Bible. And also, again, if you think that, it, that because a church talks a lot about the Bible and not Jesus, John 14, 6, say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So that's the reason why the Bible is important. That's why David asks for it. And David makes the request to be led by the light and truth to two places, which is God's holy hill and his tabernacles. This was one of those really hard verses to really study because it's like, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> then after thinking about it, God's holy hill is God's neighborhood. It's a general vicinity where God is, but God's tabernacle is his home. See, Jesus grants us access to both, and the Bible gives us understanding of, of understanding of both. See, you need both Jesus Christ and the Word to get a full understanding of who God is. A great example of that is the disciples. The disciples spent three years, three years with Jesus Christ. And whenever Jesus talked to them, meaning that he's giving them basically the word of God directly to them, they're like, they're like our teenagers, they're like, huh? What? I don't understand. And it's like, wait a minute, you're spending almost three years with the sinless son of God and you still don't get it? But then you take the flip side, you take the flip side, you've got these Pharisees. You've got these Pharisees, they're like, I know all five books of the Pentateuch. And I have memorized them all. I have fasted many, many, many days, and I know all the ordinances. But they despised Jesus. They had the word, but not the Son of God. And then the disciples had the Son of God, but had no understanding of the word. What's awesome about Jesus is that he gives illumination to both. We take a look at the scriptures. I love the story about the two men that are walking back from Emmaus. They're just like, oh, we're just so sad that Jesus is dead. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. And then Jesus shows up. And then when he's talking to them, he showed them the scriptures. So many times Jesus says that it is written. It must be done, so it must be fulfilled. He showed them the scriptures. So it's like, oh, I get it. But you need Jesus to get it. But he did this for the Pharisees too. You had like you had Nicodemus. Nicodemus who gets John who gets to hear John 3:16 before anybody else does. Jesus actually talks to him and says like, "Wait a minute, aren't you not a master of the law?" Meaning like, "Don't you you don't know about being born again? Don't you shouldn't you know this?" But how great is it that Jesus takes the time takes the time to explain to him the scriptures. And it's at night, a secret time. So he takes the time to show him the scriptures. A good illustration 
A good illustration of this would be like, picture uh, two people during the, during the time of Moses and the tabernacle is there. Little kid, little five-year-old kid, probably like you, Samara. Little, little, little girl like you, okay? You, you, you wa- you're, you're wandering around the, the camp, and then somehow you sneak into the tabernacle. You go in there, and you're just looking like, there's a, there's a box here with some golden things on it. There's a bread. There's a big candlestick. There's other things in here. See, that person somehow got access but has no understanding about what's going on. And then whereas there's another, there's another guy from the tribe of Judah, man, he loves, his, he loves his Bible. Man, he loves his law. He starts to reading that and says, man, that's good. Oh, I love, the, I love the promises that's in this book. I love it. But because he's not a priest, he'll, he doesn't have access to the tabernacle or to, the, to those things that he knows about. Well, ain't it awesome? Ain't it awesome? Ain't it awesome that Jesus Christ gives us access to the holy of holies because when Calvary happened, that curtain is ripped away and that you can go to God yourself and all the truths that God has for you, you have access to it. The Savior is there to give you access to it and illumination for that because he loves you. And he wants to make you his. He wants you to know more about him. He wants you to, as we're going through this, for you to make him yours. Finally, well, not finally, almost. The final part, the one of the closing parts of David's thing is here is a praise. David's gone through a great, short, spiritual journey. In these four simple verses, he's in the midst of a problem. So he prays to God. He identifies where he is. He makes guests for God for, for both salvation, for Jesus Christ, and for the word to guide him. And he finally makes it to the altar of God. And he describes God in two personal identifications. One is his joy. Oh, his joy. His joy. God is his joy. God is his joy. That means that no matter what, no matter what brings you down, God is your joy. Oh, I hope tonight that you've been reminded of the basic benefits of what God has given to you. Jesus saved you from hell. Heaven is your home. You can have access to God. You have God's word to guide you. You have the understanding that the Holy Spirit can give you all of these great things that God has given you ought to give you joy. It ought to give you joy. If you take a look at Psalms, the last six Psalms, the last six Psalms are all just about praising God. All about praising God. Turn to me to Psalm 146, please. I, I just, let's just go to Psalm 146. Just go to Psalm 146. I just, it, 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 it's good to praise God and say, God, you know, you, you're, you're really good. You're awesome, God. And let's read Psalm 146. It's, it that, it's not that long, but it's also very pertinent. So, so let's read it. It says, 
146, praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Oh, listen to verse 3 now. Verse, verse 3, this is, this, is, this is applicable. This will help on Tuesday. Put not your trust in the princes, nor in the son of the man, in whom there is no help, because his breath goeth forth. He returneth to the earth. In the very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath God of, the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises them that are bowed down, and the Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. All but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. And the Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. If that doesn't make you say amen, I don't know what will. Say amen. Amen. And you know what we just got there? God's platform. God's platform. We got a sheet with Republican platforms and Democratic platforms. You know what God's platform is? I want to make you mine. And more importantly, I want you to make me yours. So it's all good. It's all good and in God's hood. <laughs> Is that going to get on the podcast? Can you edit that, Brother Zach? <laughs> and finally, the crux of the matter, if you've fallen asleep all this time, if, you've, if uh, well, some of you girls are getting sleepy, but... Oh, good, awesome. All right. But here's, here's the heart of the matter. Heart of the matter. The other thing, the other personal identification that David gives is his God. His God. I hope that you've gone on this spiritual journey as well for yourself. And pray, too, that at the end of all of this, that you can declare that God is your God. The phrase, my God phrase, my God, in Hebrew is Eloi. If you could turn to Mark chapter 15, verse 34, please. Mark chapter 15, verse 34. We all know it. Jesus is there on the cross. Jesus been put through Jesus went through some problems. In fact, not just his problems, but your problems. He suffered on that cross for about 3 hours. And what what's the what's the thing comes out of his mouth? It's Eloi. Eloi. Lama sabachthani. My God. My God. Why have thou forsaken me? 
There's that identification again that that's my God. That's my God. And when he rises from the dead, when he meets up with Mary Magdalene, when he meets up with Mary Magdalene in, in the book of John, in John 20, 17, he say, he's speaking to Mary Magdalene and tells, he says, to tell this to the apostles, because I ascended to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Why have, we taken, why have we taken that for granted? Why have we taken for granted what we have? A lot of times, uh, spend a lot of times with our teenagers. And sometimes we'll go, to, uh, go out to eat. And then uh, yesterday, we were, we were eating at uh, KFC. Sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> We, all, we were all eating food, and then uh, one of them reaches over, and then it tries to get a chicken nugget from one of the other kids, and then all of a sudden, he grabs it and says, hey, that's mine! If, uh, if uh, husbands, if you're out on a date with your wife, and then all of a sudden, some other guy tries to, like, take her away from, hey, 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 buddy, she's with me. Someone tries to take her, oh, wait a minute, that's mine! So, if we're so possessive about the possessions that we have, about our, about our food, our, our lives, our wives, our possessions, all the different things that we have, why is it then that when they tried to take God away, we didn't say, hey, wait a minute, that's, he's mine! That's mine! You can't take that away from me because that's mine! Do we have that possessiveness? Do we have that possessiveness? A, f- a few years back, I'm glad to see you teenagers singing. It, it blesses my heart. It really does. It really does. And a few years back, I remember the teenagers sang a song in the, I think in Heritage, a, a song that was just, just blessed my heart every, sing, every single time that I hear it. It's, that's my God. Gosh, that's my God. If, if, I could, if, if I could make any request for something that the teenagers could sing, man, that'd be something that'd be great because you know what? Teenagers, America needs to be reminded that that's my God. Most importantly, because you're teenagers, you're going to be the adults someday. And then you're going to need to be the ones to tell them that's my God. So that when the next election comes, we don't have to preach to, to vote biblical values because you know why? They'll be reminded that's my God. That's my God. Finally, the last verse, last verse, last verse. It says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I hope tonight when you go and vote for whoever you vote for, take a moment 
in fact, I'm sure once, uh, once the invitation happens, we'll get an opportunity to do so and really take this same journey that David's just taken. Think about whatever problems that you have. Have you humbled yourself? Have you acknowledged the fact that, God, wow, oh, God, have you humbled yourself in terms of that? Have you responded to the problem in a spiritual manner? Have you requested or have you reminded yourself of the light of your salvation and also bathed yourself in the word? Have you let God's truth affect you and fill you? Have you, got, have you realized that not only do you have access, you have access to the Holy of Holies, and you also have understanding of who God is? Do you praise him? Do you praise him? And at the end of it all, can you say, Eloi? Let's bow our heads.